Hi, Richie. Hi, Sam. Hi, Acer. Hi, Sam. I'm Hi, back. everyone. You couldn't keep me away. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you were speaking out of turn. I'll ask you not to do that again. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, sorry. And hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 220 of the Snack Covenant. Wow. So today, Richie Acer and I will be talking about amnesia, the dark descent. And today's episode is interesting because Acer and I have played amnesia. But Richie has not. No, no. My entire experience with Amnesia is Let's Play videos from like 2011. <laughs> cool, cool. It was just when like scare cams were becoming a thing. So my my entire understanding of Amnesia is like a quarter of the screen is replaced with someone's face going, ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember... Amnesia was my first exposure to a Let's Play channel called PewDiePie. And I thought, wow, this is really annoying. Clearly it can't <laughs> last. <laughs> so, Acer, mm. what about you? What was your first exposure, impression, gameplay, playthrough of Amnesia? M mine was the same as Richie's, but I'm like... 10 years younger than both of you. So I was super hyped about it. I was like, oh yeah, look at all these people playing this game. Were you like five? <laughs> no, I was like a teenager. <laughs> but but it's but it stuck with me. You know, you remember the games of that era, the Slender Mans. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. <laughs> okay. Did Slender kill Amnesia Let's Plays because Slender was free? Uh, I don't know. Well, Amnesia sort of created that market. And I feel like so many of those jump scare little games were made specifically to capitalize on, I want to record a Let's Play of myself screaming. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's got to be a dark space. You have, like, limited yeah. light. Something yeah. is chasing you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but Amnesia is the only game of this era of this type that I I go back to from time to time because there is so much genuine craft, which is like that. It sort of gets overshadowed by the um, by the loud jump scare culture that surrounded it. But th there's genuine craft to it, which um, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk more about. Before we talk about the craft. Let's talk a bit about the story. The game begins with you as Daniel. Um, Me? Oh no! Am I okay? That guy? Oh no! Uh, <laughs> no, you're not okay. You're losing your memories. And you're Aww. roaming aimlessly through this dingy old castle, telling yourself you need to remember your name and you need to remember what happened. You need to remember your mission. And then you wake up in this room and you have no memories except maybe your name. And you read this note which tells you what you need to do. It's written by yourself before you lost your memories. Um, 
and it details that you need to go deep into the castle and you need to kill the castle's owner because he's a monster and that the reason you drunk the amnesia potion was because you were crippled by fear and you couldn't bring yourself to descend again but that if you were to erase your memories well then you could do it mm-hmm. see that this is really interesting because you pick up notes as you go throughout the game and they're dated from different time periods uh, like some are dated years ago some are dated just a few days ago but you're you're tracing your steps into uh, Alexander's chamber and all the while you're getting closer and closer to discovering the events that caused Daniel to have this crippling inability to confront uh, Alexander by himself and you also uncover the things that Alexander made Daniel do and you learn about the shadow which was chasing Daniel and just in terms of narrative structure that's really cool but anyway Long ago, Daniel was on an exhibition. They dug up this uh, this orb. Daniel picked it up. And all the people who Daniel talked to about the orb, they began to die. And Daniel began to realize that there was something about the orb. There was a shadow chasing him, which is when he was messaged by Alexander to, uh, hey, Daniel, bro, you can hit me up at my castle. <laughs> and Daniel's like, new phone, who this? Yeah, Daniel's like, new new feather with ink that I write with, who did? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm on the Amnesia Wiki. That's, and oh, you're says... eating. <laughs> I was double checking. <laughs> and it says here that Daniel was a British archaeology student and explorer. Hmm. and that he found the orb in an Algerian tomb in 1839 during an expedition. Yes. Thank you, Sin. Anytime. (laughs) But yeah, uh, Alexander messaged Daniel, and he assured him that I can help you with what you're dealing with, but you need to come to me. Why Alexander wouldn't leave his castle? I don't know. I don't think the game goes into that. But Daniel did, and the two of them uh, began to see. This is where sort of the we the game draws on like old Lovecraft stories, but this is where we also get into the uh, sort of pseudoscience of the time, where Daniel and Alexander were able to push back the shadow by um, extracting. I think they used did rituals with Vitae or Vita, which they extracted by torturing people. And Alexander assured Daniel that, ah, these are just criminals you're torturing to extract Vitae. They're just, they're just uh, bad dudes. But, as it turned out, the, the, the people, they were not as bad as Daniel had been led to believe. And it all culminated in a moment when a little girl who had been uh, imprisoned with her mother escaped from their cell. Their mother had dug a hole for her. And Daniel, dis- you know, he confronted the mother like, ah, where's your girl? And the mother was like, I'm not going to tell you. 
But Daniel was like, there are monsters in this castle. I'm, I, your girl's gonna die. And then she told him. And once he caught the girl, he killed her. And that's when his mind sort of snapped. I wanted to ask you, maybe you can elaborate on what is the orb, what's the shadow, and what's the relationship between the two? Okay, so the orb, I think, uh, they may have retconned or expanded on this in Amnesia Rebirth. In today's podcast, we'll yeah. only talk about the Dark Descent as if Rebirth doesn't exist yet. Okay, I, li- I like that. That's a good format. And in that format, I don't quite know exactly where the orb comes from. It may come from the same plane that Alexander comes from, because, spoiler alert, he's not actually a human being. <laughs> he's like an evil, eldritch creature that's been confined to a human body. But it may also come from some other plane. I, I don't know. If the game goes into it, I can't remember where it was. Possible that Rebirth or Machine for Picks went into it. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the shadow that uh, is attached to it, it I, from memory, that's like a guardian, which, in, which is meant to ensure that nobody interferes with the orb. Um, but Alexander very much wants to interfere with the orb because using the orbs, uh, orb, he can open up a dimension and go back to his home plane, mm-hmm. wherever that is. So the orb would help him, like, open a portal or something? Yeah. And the shadow is the guardian of the orb, but it's not a very, like, good and friendly and happy guardian. It's more like a evil guardian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, um... Imagine if the shadow was just like, knock, knock. You're going to give me my orb back? You can't, you can't have that. <laughs> Sorry, I just picture the shadow being like, knock, knock. And Daniel's like, who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you're going to let me in? Knock, knock. Who's there? Jimmy. Jimmy who? Jimmy, my orb back, man. <laughs> That's really funny because the way the shadow is represented is with like these red and brown slime, you know, that's just covering the wall and all that. So it would just like invade, like it would just go up against your house and you'd be, you open the door and it's just this putrid, evil, slimy thing with like a little bow tie (laughs) and a little top hat, really nice. So the shadow is the guardian of the orb. And the shadow wants to get the orb back. But by doing so, it also like destroys everyone and everything, even like dimensions or something. Didn't they once say it was a living nightmare which broke down reality? That may just be flowery language. Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason for us really to think that it breaks down reality. What it might be doing is just breaking down a person's psyche. So it seems like reality is collapsing around you. What about when they say it's the universe catching up with itself? That may be like some kind of law thing where you're not allowed to take the orb and you know the orb belongs to the place where it is and now the world is just acting to put the orb back where it's supposed to be. Put that thing back where it came from also help me. Oh, 
otherwise, again, it may just be flowery language. Make the mind wander. Thank you. And the shadow itself, we never see, right? Um, well, it, so the shadow is, the sh when it's referred to as a shadow, it's like the shadow of the orb. So just like your shadow follows you wherever you go, so this entity follows the orb wherever the orb goes. And it makes itself manifest in those uh, red slimy pus things that cover the walls. Those red slimy things, are they the shadow or is this just a residue that the shadow leaves behind, kind of like a trail after itself? It may be both. It, it may just be that this is the form the shadow takes in our dimension or this is how we perceive it. Cool, cool. It reminds me a bit of uh, Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad, the Emma James story. Can you elaborate? Well, it's it's a horror story um, from the god. It'd be actually around the time Amnesia set, I think. That may have been where they got it from. But it's about an archaeologist who finds a whistle. And um, he is stalked by this strange apparition trying to get the whistle back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was just thinking, except in that, in, the, in that the shadow thing is like, it sort of inhabits like objects, physical objects. So he gets stalked by like his his the the scene that like everyone remembers from it is like his bedclothes sort of like form into like a shape and start chasing him. Whoa! Thank you, Richie. There weren't any any cog puzzles in that though. <laughs> I, I have a let's play on in the background. I'm watching it going. Mm. <laughs> It, it, I notice it does the uh, the uh, Dark Souls thing of having like text on the loading screen that seems to be kind of random. Oh, it should be a completely blank screen with the words Bloodborne written on it. Well, no, I just remember like not a lot of games really do that. Really, I thought like, he's a, a lot of he's games a, do that. Well, I don't know, maybe not in twenty eleven. They usually just said loading. Skyrim did that. Right. They had like a thing and you could even move the object and like Okay. Thank you, Richie. And you also mentioned Vita earlier. Yeah. Let me ask you, what's a Russian singer doing in this game? Do you remember Vitas? Wow, he has a really high voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just nodding as I look at this. <laughs> Do you think Vitas is from the same dimension as Alexander? Uh, well, he's wearing very fancy clothes, so it's entirely possible. <laughs> also, you know, Vita in-game is extracted by causing people misery, so <laughs> that also connects. Shade! And Vita in the Dark Descent, is it like a source of life? If it's called Vita, then like that literally means life, so. Whoa! No wonder Rich is the PhD in this trio. Dr. Pillbeam strikes again. <laughs> Hi. 
Did you ever extract Vita from your patients, Dr. Pillbeam? Vita is making me think of uh, Vril. What? Vril. 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 Um, that is another, like, uh, not uh, like a, not horror, but like science fiction-y concept from the late 19th century. So again, it sort of fits, which is like this like life essence. Hmm. It sounds silly if you just say it's from this like novel, but it became a like a cultural thing, like the concept of frill being something something you could extract and you could use. Um, do either of you know what bovril is? Uh, yes, I, I've heard of it. Okay, bovril is basically like beef stock tea. It's like you you make up this like you're basically drinking beef stock. It's a big thing in Britain. Uh, excuse me, and um. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, Richie here. Sin was listening back to this podcast a couple of days later and noticed there was a strange dead-end anecdote about something called Bovril. Unsure of what Bovril was and what connection it had to the eldritch horrors of amnesia, Sin asked me to record this little explainer. Bovril is a kind of paste made from beef extract. If you imagine beef stock but with the consistency of peanut butter, that's what bovril is. You can use it as a spread, you can use it in cooking, you can use it in gravy, and you can drink it by boiling it in hot water. The reason I was bringing up bovril in the context of amnesia is that bovril was created in the late 19th century, around the time amnesia is set, and the name bovril comes from a reference to speculative fiction. The bo in bovril is from bow, as in bovine, while vril is taken from the novel The Coming Race by writer and politician Edward Bulwer-Lytton. The novel is concerned with a group of superhumans who gain their powers from a life-giving elixir called vril, and was so popular that the concept of vril entered into the public consciousness whether they had read the book or not. In the same way that, for example, you can refer to your weakness as your kryptonite and expect people to know what you mean because Superman is so culturally significant. So bovril is supposed to suggest bovine vril. It is the life essence of a cow that has been removed and placed in a small jar. This is further emphasized by contemporary advertisements for bovril that show it being painfully extracted from cows that are hooked up to a kind of electric chair torture device. This procedure, which I assume is fanciful, in some ways resembles the experiments carried out by the villains of Amnesia the Dark Descent, hence me referencing bovril in our discussion of removing the life essence from people. I now return you to the podcast in which I say nothing ever again because I don't know anything about amnesia. Can I go for like a minute while you're still discussing this? Yeah, you can go. If you, you can actually like go and leave, Richie, if you need like. I got, I got up for this. Okay, well, go. You know what? We'll take a two minute break. Go, go. Go. All right. Talk about Bovril when I get back. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Google just said, I don't know how to help with that. <laughs> Here, I've sent, I've sent Sim the wiki article on Bovril. Anyway. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, go, go. Take uh, okay. a little break. Go. Aye, aye, aye. Is he always like this? <laughs> I can still hear you. <laughs>
I like how Daniel's like after murdering everyone and murdering the little girls, like, oh, maybe that was a little much. <laughs> well, yeah. See, it, it started with uh, uh, it started with Daniel just torturing dogs because Vita is just produced from s- the stress of mammals. In high-stress scenarios, the game submits that Vitae is produced by mammals. And the higher the stress, the more Vitae is extracted. And the amnesia potion, which Daniel drunk and you know began the events of the game, that potion was created to make prisoners forget of their torture because as you torture them, they get acclimated to suffering and produce less Vita. But if you make them forget about the torture... You can do it all over again, and they'll just produce Vita until they die. Mm-hmm. And for Daniel, it's like you can imagine he's sort of desperate. You're like, ah, I don't want to die. I guess I'll torture these dogs. Oh, I mean, these are just evil prisoners. I can I can torture them. And the game actually kind of leans into this idea of how easy it is to pressure people into doing really bad things. Uh, there's like a conversation you can hear, like a flashback where Alexander is telling Daniel to do it, to kill somebody. And uh, yeah, Daniel just, it's like, it, it, it doesn't start by killing a little girl. It's like he's gradually eased into that role until he just has this complete mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Because he's also really driven because... If he doesn't do it, then the shadow is just going to man. The shadow will get him and kill him. So he he's thinking it's torturing them or me dying. So, uh, so how does Vita interact with the shadow? Um. So Vita is able to push back the effects of ailments. Um. It doesn't like if you had cancer, uh, Vita would not cure your cancer but it would push back the ailments by some time. Um, you'd need to continue administering it throughout all of your life because it would never cure you, but it pushes it. It pushes the stuff back and it manages to push back the shadow. It can't cleanse Daniel of it, but it keeps it at a distance from him. Thank you, Icer. Maybe we can talk about some other characters. Okay. For example, Agrippa. Mm-hmm. So Agrippa is very old. Agrippa is so old, I told him to act his age and he died. <laughs> Agrippa is so old, his social security number is one. <laughs> Hi. I just came back to these like Agrippa jokes. I don't know what it's a reference to. <laughs> Agrippa, he's the best character in the game. Agrippa is so old, his first pet was a T-Rex. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> do one more, do one more. Um, um, Come on. Agrippa, Come on. Agrippa, Agrippa is so old, he helps name the planets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay, so Agrippa came into contact with an orb long ago and I think he was spared by the shadow uh, sometime after that he began conversing with Alexander about this orb business pretty crazy right 
and they got working on Alexander's machine, which broke Agrippa's orb into a thousand pieces. Actually, like six or seven. I don't quite remember. <laughs> yeah, um, a thousand is a little exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it shattered Agrippa's orb. And Alexander, now being basically back at square one, decided, you know what, Agrippa? I'm going to put you in prison. Oh, no. He did just that. But Johann Weyer, who, who was Agrippa's student, managed to escape to that other plane which Alexander wants to go to. <laughs> and uh, you get to see him in the good ending of the game. Wait, pupil is a student, right? Yeah. It's all the thing you have in orange juice that I don't like. Oh, that's, no, that's pulp. pulp. That's pulp. I know. I was making a joke. <laughs> uh, oh. Okay. okay. So. Back on track. Yeah, uh, Johann Weyer was Agrippa's pupil, and the two are, you know, they, they remained good friends. Weyer was able to escape to that different plane which Alexander wants to go to. Alexander is not happy about that. Fuck that dude. This was supposed to be my gig. You know when you know when you really want something and somebody else gets it? No, because I would never let that happen. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. My my brain is also a little bit fried because I just recorded like ten hours of a blood pump playthrough. I just felt really sick because uh, yesterday I was experimenting with pizza toppings. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because I'm a vegetarian, so I'm like, I gotta figure out like, what else can I do? And I'm you know. like, yeah, this looks good. <laughs> and at the time, it was fine. And I woke up; it wasn't fine anymore. Oh no. Have you tried putting nuts on your pizza? Uh, I had like, um, like kind of like chickpeas and curry. <laughs> it was all right at the time. I just, I had trouble digesting it. Poor child. Poor Rich. You see what happens? I leave Rich to his own devices for a fucking hour. <laughs> this is why we must record 24-7. It's for his own good. <laughs> yeah. My grandpa once put sardines on a pizza because he he wanted to save it for the next day and nobody ate sardines. So he put sardines on like every slice. That's brilliant. Just, uh, that is genius. That's like psychological warfare. Too. That's oh, <laughs> amazing. So if I don't want my boyfriend to eat my food, I just put like shrimp on it. He doesn't eat shrimp? He doesn't like shrimp, but that's what I'm going to do from now on. You could probably just like take 10 shrimps and when uh -huh. he's sleeping, put them yeah. around his bed and then he's stuck there. Yeah. It's, it's like encasing a demon in a, in a symbolic circle. Yeah. He's doing it with shrimp. shrimp. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. In amnesia, what is the equivalent of shrimp? How do you make the shadow go away? Oh, you use, mm. you use pita to uh, hold it back a bit. Right. Thank you, Acer. Now let me ask you about some of the other characters. Who is Thurston Herbert? 
Thurston Herbert is the professor Daniel corresponded with after he found the orb. But uh, in, in terms of the first game, his significance is solely relegated to being the guy Daniel was with when he found the orb. Thank you, Acer. And who's Hazel? Hazel is Daniel's sister. Uh, so you don't see her in the game, but there's some loading screens which talk a bit about her because in the loading screens, you always get like a little snippet of lore. You get like a picture of the little girl who escaped the prison. And in some of those, uh, you you get to see her. His sister, I think she was like really sick and just had a really rough go of it because this was like the early uh, 1800s. So life was just crap for pretty much everyone. And um, yeah. She had like she had this disease, and she was predicted to die right away. Uh, it may have been that she had did she have like tuberculosis or pneumonia or something? I don't know. It was some it was some old timey disease. I, I think she's still alive at the end of the game. I think it's just implied that Daniel left for his exhibition, said goodbye to her, then went to um, he went back home, then went to Alexander. There's nothing to suggest that she's dead. Thank you. Who is Elise Zimmerman? She's the little girl who escaped the prison cell. And uh, it, was kill- it was in killing her that Daniel sort of snapped back uh, to reality. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, what happened was after Daniel and Alexander had exhausted their uh, prisoners... They had ex- you killed all of them extracting Vita. They kind of needed to go out and get innocent people. Mm-hmm. And Daniel basically became like, uh, I don't know if Daniel became like a backman or if the monsters were sent as backmen, but they just sent, they just went into the villages, brought a bunch of people in there and just started torturing them. And at least it was the final victim before Daniel snapped. Thank you, Acer. We touched a bit on Alexander before. Do you want to tell us a bit more about him? No. Nah, of course I do. Uh, Alexander is the primary villain of the game. He, he, what would he have done if I just said no and left it hanging? And then the outro music starts and it's like, Richie, <laughs> do the outro. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Alexander is the main villain of the game. Um, I don't know exactly what what he is, but he's some sort of other creature um, who's been stuck on Earth for very, very, very long, pretending to be like this Prussian baron. Um, he was banished from his home, from memory, and his entire motivation is to get these orbs so that he can open up a portal that'll allow him to go back home. And he has no moral conniptions whatsoever. He will do whatever it takes to get back home. As we said, imprison and torture innocent people, transform servants and workers into horrifying monsters. You know, the works. Torturing dogs. He tortured dogs, Sin. Dogs. My God, that's the worst. He's Mm. a villain among villains. That is true. 
Thank you, Acer. I remember making old jokes about Agrippa, but did we ever talk about who he actually is? Uh, he's just like a guy. He's just like some old archaeologist or somebody who uh, uh, who found the orb. <clears throat> Agrippa is pretty old. He's an old guy. He's like three or four hundred years old by the time the game takes place, and he found the first orb, which he and Al he uh, he found it. He was spared by the shadow from memory, uh, and. He and Alexander worked together to try and open the portal. Something ha something went awry. The orb was shattered, and uh, Alexander decided, Agrippa, you're not going anywhere. I'm going to imprison you. I'm not quite clear on the continuity of the game, whether they did this long ago, and then Alexander has been keeping him alive, or whether the influence of the orb kept Agrippa alive for like 200 years. Because I can't exactly map Johann Weyer time-wise. But what I, th I, I think th the original orb experiment happened in like 1500-something. Like 300 years before the game takes place. Uh, and Agrippa has been in prison ever since. And um, if you, Daniel, meet, you meet him in-game... If you finish his quest, you can cut off his head and take his living head with you when you confront Alexander at the end. He instructs you to do so. Thank you, Acer. So now, let's talk about what Daniel actually does and how the game ends for him. Okay, so... Throughout the game, Daniel is just unlocked. You're like, this is a video game, so it plays surprisingly like a video game. You go through one area, get to the next one. There are certain conditions which need to be met for the next uh, area to open for you to advance. And I talked earlier about there being some genuine craft to Amnesia, and this is it. What Amnesia's uh, sort of copycats, I don't think quite grasped or didn't care about is that Amnesia is a lot more like a point-and-click adventure game than a first-person game where you run away from monsters. Right. Remember that. Remember that moment, Sin, where you were in that hallway and you had to throw the chair out of the window to get to the windowsill, where yeah. you platformed into a room that was locked. Yeah. Amnesia really thrives on those sorts of moments. Moments where. You need to really think about how items in the environment interact with the environment. This okay. is seen in when you need to take cocks from one room to another. This is seen in when you need to feed coal into a burner to get an engine going. Um, this is seen in you having to stand on crates that are in water because there's a monster that can only strike you in water. Uh, all of those little moments when you're trying to figure out what exactly is this environment? How do I navigate it? There's a poison mm -hmm. area. How do I get around that? Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I don't I don't want to dilly-daddle too long on that stuff. I just think it's notable because I, I wish the copycats had leaned more into that stuff rather than just, it's a monster and spooky. Run away from it, my man. <laughs> Actually, when I first played Amnesia... I played it maybe a year ago or so, 
And it was very, very spooky. And I was just like, I can't. I don't understand. I'm stuck. The monster keeps eating me. <laughs> and so I sort of just left it on a shelf. And I recently played Amnesia Rebirth. Mm. And I think Rebirth was one of the few games, or maybe even the first horror games, that I actually went through and finished. And part of it was because the monsters felt very scripted. Mm. Even though they were scary, they were scripted, and it gave you a feeling of like, it's okay, it's just a game. They're scripted, you can do this. And after that, I decided to play Amnesia 1 again. And coming back to Amnesia 1, having conquered Rebirth, I could yeah. feel that the monsters in Amnesia 1 were kind of scripted too. Yeah, I, I think that's a bit more hidden than with Rebirth, but there's definitely triggers. Like, there's one moment where you blow up um, uh, obstructions in, like, a basement, and you need to run away from the bomb before it goes off. And they placed a box there for you to get to. And after the explosion, a door in between the box and the explosion will open and a monster will come walking out. Now, that's just a piece of direction where, hey, the player's probably going to go behind the box, the monster's going to come out, that's going to spook them. Mm -hmm. It's not as scary the second time, but there's a lot of those sorts of moments. Mm -hmm. um, and Amnesia is very, very forgiving uh, for a horror game uh, compared to a, a lot of you know other horror games because... Oftentimes, the monsters that are chasing you are not actually real. They're just a figment of Daniel's imagination, and when they reach you, they just disappear. Mm -hmm. The way Amnesia builds dread, it has to do with perceived dangers a lot more than anything else. Because like looking at the monsters will cause Daniel's sanity to drop, and when your sanity drops, you begin to hallucinate. So you'll try to not look at the monsters. And because you can't allow yourself to look at them, that sort of makes them a bit scarier in your head. Yeah. When we talked about the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, mm -hmm. that was a big deal with the design of that, where um, we were talking about an interview with Sandy Peterson, who designed the that game system. And he said, like, it's you, it was hard to get, like, playtesters to role-play as though they were scared because they sort of, like, wouldn't do it because they knew it was a game. But if you made it a mechanical thing, mm. then even if they weren't super into, like, immersed in this fictional world, they would still act scared because they knew that, okay, I can't look at certain things. I can't yeah. have certain encounters. Certain things will screw me over because of that sanity system. And that's sort of what shaped everything from there on yeah yeah and um the same the same applies for when you're too long in darkness which forces you to bring your lantern out but that also makes you a homing beacon for all monsters in the area um so there's a lot of cool little gameplay tricks the game plays on the player which um games like outlast for and i like outlast but it definitely is a step down. With Outlast and a lot of the sort of amnesia clones that have come out since, it feels like they're aiming more for those moments where the Let's Player screams than Amnesia did. Because Amnesia 
was a lot more like PT. If you guys ever played that, the proposed Silent Hill like trailer. Yeah, um, I, I haven't that, played it, but I, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, where it's it, it's just good game direction above uh, anything above like spectacle. Mm-hmm. But um, when Daniel has traversed the entire castle, solved all the puzzles, done everything he needs to do. There are four endings available. Near the end of the game, Daniel is captured and imprisoned. And if you don't escape soon enough, Daniel will just die in there. The shadow will catch him and he'll die. I remember, Sin, uh, I was watching the stream when you were playing. And I, f- I was like, oh boy, I, I, she's got she's to gotta figure out that brick pretty quickly. <laughs> actually really cool so you could just like die in the middle of the game or something yeah but like your save point remains so even if you die you can just load that back up and you know beat your beat your head against the wall until it collapses Uh, at the end once you've gotten to the inner sanctum and you've confronted alexander he's in the middle of tele of you know opening up the portal and teleporting himself away you could collapse the portal uh, in which case, Alexander will die and Daniel will be able to escape. If you don't figure out to do that and you just stand there while he performs the ritual, the shadow will kill you and Alexander will go home. But if you allow him to open up the portal and you throw a Agrippa's head, which we talked about earlier, you throw that into the portal, then you and Agrippa will survive because Johann Weyer, Agrippa's student, which we also talked about earlier, uh, will guide you from the other side of the portal. Meanwhile, Alexander presumably gets eaten by the shadow mm-hmm. or destroyed by the shadow. So that's the best ending then. That's the best ending. And you said they guide us through the portal. Where do they guide us to? Presumably to that other world, the one where Alexander is from. Is it nice? Uh... Yeah, probably. Like, it's supposed to be like Cyclopean architecture and Lovecraftian Yuhu, but yeah, probably nice. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Herbert? Yeah? We find him in the world of rebirth. Oh! That's not hmm. a very nice world. Oh. Well, is it the same world? Well, is it the same portal? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Acer. <laughs> so now let's talk about some moments in the game that we found a little creepy. Because overall, Amnesia the Dark Descent is a pretty creepy game. Mm-hmm. So I think one of like really creepy and scary moments was when you open a desk and, like, a bunch of skulls come out of there. Do you remember that? I remember that. It was not okay to do that. That I, that never scared me. I, I, um, I guess I just have nerves of steel compared to you, Sin. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> and the beginning I found really creepy, too, when you're just waking up and you're walking through the hallways... And you don't know what's awaiting for you anywhere, so that was... Yeah. 
I think you may also see a monster at some point that disappears. Like, yeah. Oh, I did not appreciate that. There's like ambient noises. And looking back now, it's literally just like a hallway in a bunch of room with no monsters, but it was so scary. Yeah. Like I said, it's just expertly directed. These guys, yeah. the, uh, yeah. Frictional Games made the Penumbra uh, games, which I highly recommend if people like Amnesia. Those games are really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. One of those like moments that I really didn't, I'm like, I can't. You had to put a syringe in a corpse. Yeah. Yeah, but Sin, you're forgetting. Yeah. It wasn't just a syringe. You had to drill a hole into his head first. Oh, God, right. Yes. Oh, and then was... you put the syringe in, and then you put like a jar or something to collect the fluids. Oh, God. It was so like unsettling. And like a gripper, we talked about a gripper, but the way he looks is so like spoopy. He doesn't look like, oh, hey, a gripper. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? <laughs> oh, I just go into the gym. You? Oh, I'm cool. It's just there's yeah. this man who's like hung up on this, like, I don't know, torture chains. And it's just like his face is all weird. And it's just, oh. Yeah. I don't know if he was originally intended to be a good guy because his face is contorted and he sort of has the appearance of one of the grunt enemies. So I wonder if that used to be a model that was like of a person that was that died in the middle of transformation and uh-huh. then they just repurposed that into Agrippa. That would make sense, actually. Yeah. 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 You know how in Amnesia, the Dark Descent, you have like this, I guess, main monster running after you whose uh, mouth is open, like Mm -hmm. falling off or something. And the monster itself, it's not like very scary looking, but it's just the situation you encounter him in and he's running after you. And then there's this like noise and it's just like, it, it made this monster appear scarier than it actually was. Yeah, it's also because... The animation is really good on the monster because he's all sort of like tethered together with like rope and leather. And the way he moves, he's just like jittering all the way to you. It's really unnerving. Yeah. Uh, Because those were human beings, which Alexander had drink a concoction that transformed them into that. Yeah. I guess one thing we haven't talked about yet is the actual monsters. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the monsters. We mentioned the shadow and the monsters you're mentioning now. I think they're just called grunts, aren't they? Yeah. It looks like they're wearing a strange suit, but actually that's just their skin. Like Yeah. They're called gatherers. Okay. And there's also another version of the gatherer who's like it looks like his head has been blown open. <laughs> and he has like yeah, it's really disgusting. Oof. It's, yeah. And um, there's also, like, we talked about it earlier, the invisible monster, the Kyrink anagram for Kraken, the invisible oh, yeah. enemy that chases you <laughs> through the water. I remember that being, like, the selling point of the game. Like, there's this invisible monster, and you have to go into the water to turn the valves, and he's going to try to get you when you're in the water. And I thought yeah. that was so scary. And then when I played it, it was scary, but it was not as scary as I'd imagined. 
The scariest part for me with that monster was when it's like, okay, now you gotta run through like 30 hallways, figure yeah. out which doors to go, and this guy's right behind you. I was like, oh my god. I was so stressed. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I saw it. You saw it. <laughs> That's true. Oh. There's also, like, when you hallucinate, you begin to see, like, weird insects, but those don't really harm you. Mm-hmm. Right. Much like old point-and-click adventure games, a lot of the best moments are just once you've finished a puzzle, you, like, activate a to- an old torture machine and it just plays out the sound of a man being tortured or something. There's a lot of great moments like that. You're talking about the torture chambers, right? That toward the end we have to like go mm-hmm. to and activate or whatever. Yeah. Those were creepy too. Yeah. And it's all <sighs> real. Those were all real torture machines. All right, Richie. Do the outro. Should I be doing the outro? Do 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 do. That was Amnesia Dark Descent. Full story explained real theory. Reaction. React. Yeah. <laughs> Scariest game ever? Question mark. <laughs> Sin freaks out. Thank you, Richie. Hey, sir. If people want to find you on social media and such, where should they look for you? You can find me on YouTube by looking up my name, and you can find me on Twitter by doing the same. My name is Acer, and rhyming is my game. (laughs) Thank you, Acer. Acer Aesthetics. Say it, but don't be lame. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Acer. You didn't like that? I thought that was pretty good. I'll cut that out, I'll cut that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stifling my creativity. <laughs> <laughs>